Please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. We are going to um, continue on from where we left off last week, but I want to begin by reading this verse. We dealt with the first part of this verse, where the Apostle John says, My little children, these things are right to you, so that you may not sin. He goes on to say, And if you sin, if, or excuse me, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, why is it that we need a defense attorney? Remember again that we have an adversary, and we talked about this last time, that is constantly bringing accusations against us. And remember I said, although Satan prosecutes believers night and day before the Father due to their sin, or due to our sin, Christ's high priestly ministry guarantees not only sympathy, but also acquittal. Alright, so we're going to look at these two things today. In terms of our advocate sympathizing with us, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to be reading from verses 14 through 16. Hebrews 4, he says, They're seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. See, this is one of the reasons why we hold fast to our confession. Because we have a high priest in heaven waiting to carry out those things. Waiting to intercede on our behalf. He can only do so much. If we don't cooperate, none of that stuff works. You, you know what I'm trying to say? Amen? And he goes and says, For we do not have a high priest, and this is the verse that, that brings this out. He says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. You know, you need to understand that Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. When you are going through something, when, you, you know, when the pressure really gets more than you think you can handle there. Okay? <laughs> you need to understand that there is someone greater in you than you. Do you understand what I just said? See, a lot of times we uh, measure things according to what we can manage, not according to what he on the inside can manage. And that's the reason the, you know, the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's Ephesians 6.10, I believe. Because a lot of times our might isn't enough. And we are dealing with, with invisible things. You know, and that's, that's the reason why people just don't have a defense against the, You know, they say, well, no, I'm okay, I don't need God. You have no idea what you just said. Okay? <laughs> because there are things that only He can take care of. You can't see to take care of it. Are you with me? <clears throat> So, let, getting back to this, notice again, he says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. So you need to understand that he does sympathize. He's not going to just say, you know what, just suck it up and get on with it. I might say that, but he won't. <laughs> okay? He's not like that. He understands what you are going through. And in fact, his intercessory ministry is based on that. Amen? See, he wouldn't intercede for us because in intercession isn't a short thing. Intercession is the exact opposite of the prayer agreement. Okay, the prayer agreement is about that long. Somebody goes, agree with me that I'm healed. And you go, I agree. That's it. We're done. Now if you pray beyond that, that's more. 
than the prayer of agreement. Okay? But intercession isn't, Lord bless them. Amen. That ain't intercession. That's just like, okay, that's all I have time for you for today. All right? <laughs> intercession is lengthy just, you know, in what it does. And you need to understand that Jesus Christ is our high priest. That he is up there interceding for us. That's his ministry right now. You think that, you know, he finished his work. He didn't. What he did down here was the first part of what he was going to be doing. Are you all with me? And so you need to understand that whenever you are praying, whenever you, you know, ask God for help, he is helping. He is interceding on your behalf. And you need to receive that help. You need to receive that strength. You need to say, thank you God, I know you're there. You know, if nobody else is praying, and even if you yourself get to a place where you think, you know what, I just don't have it in me to pray this through. How many of you have had that every so often? You don't have to, okay. <laughs> you can be honest, alright. You need to know, and you know, this is why I'm sharing this with you. You need to know that He is interceding on your behalf. And we're, we're you know, that's one of... The, the reasons why the Bible says that he is our advocate. He is our defense attorney. That's what the word advocate means. Okay? Alright, let, let's move on here. And so he goes on to say here, he says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but with, in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Alright, remember how that verse ends? Alright, and verse 16 says, Let us therefore... Come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why can we do that? Because we're sinless? No. Because He's sinless. And because He exchanges His sinlessness for our sin. That's the great exchange that took place at the cross. That's why we have to be very, very careful that we never approach the, thr the throne room of God based on our good deeds, our righteousness, and how much we think we deserve. If we do that, we are going to walk, you know, A, we won't get in. <laughs> okay? You're not that good. I'm just saying, to walk into that throne room. Remember, that is the throne room of Almighty God. There is holiness there that goes beyond your comprehension. In fact, I'm going to show you some things today. Let, let's get on with it. Alright. Now, as to how and why we are acquitted, William MacDonald explains, Notice that our advocate is Jesus Christ, the righteous. It is good to have a righteous defender. God's Messiah. A sinless lawyer to represent us in court. And those don't exist down here. <laughs> Just saying, you know, as crooked as it, anyway, never mind. All right. <laughs> and so, when Satan brings some accusation against a believer, the Lord Jesus can point to his, to his finished work on the cross or work on Calvary and say, charge that to my account. See, that's, why, that's what gets you off every time. As much as the devil says... See the list of things he's done. I mean, he's a real stinker. <laughs> okay? Not that any of you fight in that category. But, you know, I mean, it could be long and scrolly and just keep rolling down. All Jesus has to do is one thing. Point to the cross. And he says, charge it to that. There's no defense against that. Amen? 
You need to get this. Alright. In other words, the cross of Christ not only paid for our initial redemption so that we could be delivered from the kingdom of darkness, be born again from above, become new creations, but also for every sin we would ever commit after that point. Okay? So, what the Apostle Paul says in uh, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14 can be applied to us both before we were saved and after we were saved. He says there, and this is such a powerful verse, he says... He, that is God the Father, cancelled the record that contained the charges against us. He, this is how he did it. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. Isn't that incredible? So every time a charge is brought against you, it's nailed to the cross. See, that's the only place. And notice, it's destroyed at the cross. It is taken care of to such a degree... That there is nothing that the enemy can point to and say, remember that. There's not a tiny little piece left over. It's all gone. Can I say from a scientific point, on a molecular level, it's just gone. It doesn't exist. There's not one molecule there that can be pointed to. Are you getting this? Let's move on. In fact, that leads us to what the Apostle John goes on to say. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2. And that is, he says, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now, let's talk about this because people don't know what propitiation means. But (laughs) you'll learn, okay? We'll get there. All right. Colin G. Cruz writes, The author emphasizes that Jesus Christ is not only our advocate who speaks in our favor in the presence of God despite our sins, But that he is also, here it is, the atoning sacrifice. That's what propitiation means. The atoning sacrifice for those sins. And as the author will explain later in the letter, that's in 1 John 4.10, it was because of the Father's love for us that he sent his Son to make this atoning sacrifice. Now, this brings us to a very interesting point. It means that what Jesus did wasn't to appease an angry God. But it was to satisfy a justice system that was set up by God following the initial creation in Genesis 1.1. When God created the heavens and the earth in the realm of the Spirit. Now, I don't know if you all know this, but I've ministered on this. But God, it says in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? And there is a bit of a gap between Genesis 1.1 and Genesis 1.2. Now, some people don't believe it. Some people do. I don't care. Let's move on. All right. <laughs> I spend a lot of time dealing with that stuff, with, with scriptures from everywhere. So I'm not going to spend time here. But what I want you to understand is that there was a time when the, the first creation wasn't us. Do you hear me? See, this is where a lot of people miss it. Because they, they think, well, no, no, no. You know, Genesis 1-2 comes directly after Genesis 1-1. Then we have a huge problem. Of when did the angels get created? Because the Psalms talk about the angels being created at a very specific time. Do you understand? And there was a history with them. Now he created them and they populated heaven. They populated the earth, the first earth that was created. That was their domain. See, God didn't need, you know, how much space does three people need? Uh, Not a lot. 
<laughs> okay? But now we understand that I think there was about 1.5 trillion angels that were created. You all understand we need a planet for that. Okay, in fact, two planets would be good. Okay, heaven and earth. All right, you all with me? Okay, and you need to understand that this, there was a whole race of beings set up. Are you getting the picture now? All right. And what happened was that in God creating all of that, then he had to put a justice system in place. Can we agree with that? Okay, because he did something very interesting. He gave all of his creatures a will. See, he didn't want robots. You know what I'm trying to say? You know, it's like you have your computer and you know you program it to say, Oh, Andrew, you're so beautiful. Oh, you're the best thing ever. Every time you turn it on. Very to go and says, Where's the delete button at? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> this is why God puts a will in things. Because he doesn't want uh, the beings that he creates. To be robots. He wants to make sure that whatever they do, and that's what makes the, the creation perfect actually. Alright? They do it because they want to. Which means then they can surprise you two ways. And you can marvel two ways like Jesus did. At their faith or their unbelief. <laughs> okay? You can do that man. When you have a will, you can, you, know, you can get to the place where you surprise people all kinds of ways. Are you, are you with me? And that's what makes it interesting, okay? And so, he puts a will on the inside of angels. This is all to, for you to understand something about God, okay? And what, why Jesus needs to go to the cross. Are you all with me? Okay. So, he created this race of beings. He put a justice system in place because he gave them all wills, all right? And then we find out that one of the angels decided after a while, quite a while in fact, that it wasn't enough. He wanted more. And so it says in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7, and war broke out in heaven. Now remember who's writing this. The apostle John is writing this. Okay, He's the one that wrote the book of Revelation from what he saw. All right, And those, prof- th- th- those prophecies were past and present. You know, in, Do you understand that in heaven there's no time? Okay, we need to get this now. Because the stuff he writes in Revelation is from both sides. Because if time is just laid out before you, present, past, present, future, it's all there. You can see the whole of history in an instant of time. So you can write down everything that you see. Are you all with me? Okay. See, we're the ones, because we're trapped in time, we have this... this you know, this concept of past and present and future. In heaven, there is no such thing. It's a timeless realm. Anyway, okay. Uh, <laughs> let's get back to this. So, the Apostle John is writing something here that he's seeing. And I believe it's a, it's a past event. He says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. Notice there's a battle going on. Can you imagine the scale of this battle? I mean, these are angels, angelic beings that are powerful, that are mighty. Every time you, you see them mentioned, there is power attached to them. Okay? I mean, they can do extraordinary things. Can you imagine a war between angels? Are you getting this now? Would have been an incredible sight. Alright, and so he says in verse 8, But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, 
the serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Why? Because there was a justice system in place. Because he did the wrong thing. And Michael carried out justice on behalf of heaven. Are you all with me? Now let me ask you a question. And don't bake your noodle over this. <laughs> it's not a hard one. If this justice system was in place, and there were consequences for doing the wrong thing, remember now again, without it, devil can get away with anything. Are you all with me? Okay. What would happen now? God creates mankind. And he sins. He, he gets into disobedience. He sides with this very individual. When the devil says, you know, God basically, basically he says God lied to you. In the Garden of Eden, when he's tempting, you know, Adam and Eve. Basically he said God's a liar. And the Bible tells us God is not a liar. Okay. And so, they are deceived. They commit a sin. Now, question. There's a justice system in place. It needed to be there in order to carry out justice when the angels did wrong. Now we can't just take that away. Because an angel that was judged by it is going to stand and say, Hang on a second, if you judge me for this, then you have to judge them for that. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but God can wipe out everybody and start again. Who's there to argue? Oh, you weren't having that thought? Well, I had that thought. (laughs) I I mean, really, man. You know, he's God. You know what I'm trying to say? It's just like, let's just wipe everything. No angels. No objections. No problem. There's nobody. (laughs) People can only object while they're alive. Are you all with me? Okay, so I had that thought. (laughs) I was thinking, no God. (laughs) He He said, you're showing me that you don't understand that every single angel that I created, he said, I love them. They're not just servants. I love them. You think I'm going to wipe them all out because somebody committed a sin. That would be murder. Because there will be a whole bunch of innocent angels that got wiped out because of one person's stupidity. So he said, I had to come up with another solution that would satisfy the system. And it was in place for all of us. Amen? And he needed something to satisfy that system. And that's, that's what the devil thought. There was absolutely no way that this could be reversed. But some way, somehow, the price had to be paid to get us back up. And out of that mess. Now do you understand why God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son? Do you get this? Because there was a justice system in place. Let me just give you some insight into this. Turn to Revelation chapter 5. This gives us a a very good idea of the kind of court that heaven has. Alright? And the, the type of beings that reside over it. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 2. It says, Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? Verse 3 is very surprising. 
And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Which tells us they tried. <laughs> okay? Nobody could, I mean, you, you just see everybody. Now notice the three realms. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Do you get this? So it was out there, and it was like whoever can. And they all tried, and they couldn't. Otherwise, there's no way they could write that sentence down. Okay? Verse 4. So I wept much. That's the reason why. It wasn't a two-second thing, and it was weeping. It's like, John, what's wrong with you? But if this, <laughs> okay? but if this was done over a period of time... And you know, every time you had hope and somebody went up and some amazing angel went up and they, and they, couldn't, they couldn't open it. And then somebody else said, no, they couldn't open it either. That would start getting depressing, wouldn't it? And after a while you think, nobody can. But the music changes. Okay, <laughs> all right. <It's laughs> so it says, I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll. Or to even look at it. Verse 5, But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. This is incredible, isn't it? Alright? Verse 6, And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne, and in the midst of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, is right in the middle of all of this, stood a lamb as though it had been slain. In other words, he, he was seen to be one that had, been, had paid a price. There were scars. Okay? Alright. And it says, Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Then he, that is Jesus the Lamb, came and took the scroll, and out of, uh, 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 the scroll out of the right hand of him, that is the Father, who sat on the throne. See, it had to be taken right out of God's hands. Okay? Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls. Wait a second. These guys are incredible. These are the real guardians of the galaxy. I went there. Okay? <laughs> <All right? laughs> Seriously, the whole universe in fact. Do you need to understand that there is a court in, in session? There are beings up there that you don't want to mess with at all. They are humongous. Okay, there's this angel that's described as a strong angel. So as powerful as all the others are, there's this guy. You know what I'm trying to say? And you, you know, I mean, he just lifts his leg, puts his leg down, and the whole planet is gone. You, you don't need to understand this. I mean, it may not even be a planet, it might be a whole galaxy goes. You don't know the size of things that exist. We, you know, we judge everything according to our size. God doesn't. You know what I'm trying to say? So, do you understand now the court that is in session? Do you understand what is actually going on up there? Do you understand now that a price had to be paid to satisfy that court? Do you get this now? And God in His love said there's only one thing. And Jesus, see, God didn't do something that Jesus Christ was opposed to. They are one. Now, yes, we understand in the Garden of Gethsemane, we understand that Jesus said, you know, if there is any other way. Wouldn't you say that if you're about to get nailed to a cross? You know, 
You, know, you say yes to it, and then you go down there and you go, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know, we all have a moment. Remember that Jesus Christ was all God, but He was all man as well. And right now, the all man part is kind of going, mm, do we have to? No, you know, okay. We need to under- and you need to understand that. That's why it says He was tempted as we are in all points, but without sin. Well, we would have said, oh, forget this. I'm going to Rio or whatever. <laughs> okay? You know, that would have been it, man. And Jesus was never seen again. All right? No. He went. He died. Amen? And he paid the price. And the price was paid to the uttermost. Now, I want you to see something else here that so many people have missed. This is the reason why I'm reading this to you. It says here, now when he had taken the scroll, I'm back in Revelation 5.8. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Verse 9. And they, this is the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders, sang a new song. Which means they had been singing an old song before this. Okay. (laughs) Listen to what they sing. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain, listen, and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Isn't that something? This redemption went far beyond this planet. There was a price, and you know, I want to look further into this, but there was obviously a price that needed to be paid for a lot more than us. There was something a lot bigger than we ever imagined. And the price that Jesus Christ paid was to clear the slate for everything, once and for all. You getting this? And so even in heaven, they're singing a new song. And they're saying, thank you. You have redeemed us back to God. Wow. See, that's why I said, don't leave your brain at home when you come to church. (laughs) Need you all to think. Do you understand the significance of what Jesus did now? He redeemed us and He redeemed things in heaven back to God. Which means a lot happened. Satan not only deceived us, but he had done a lot up there as well. There was a lot of damage done by that individual. And Jesus Christ paid for all of it, all at once. Now, when people say, how can a loving God send His Son to the cross to die such a horrible death? You have an answer. Amen? And it is in this sense that the Apostle John again says, and He Himself is the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins. But notice He says, not for ours only, but also for the whole world. I think that's more to that as well. Amen? It's not just everybody down here, but it was for everything that is living that needed redemption. Hallelujah. We're going to stop there and we'll pick this up next week. Were you blessed to get something out of it? Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, for all the things that we have.